Hey, Las Vegas, happy Thursday. Great to have you here with us. Remember when freedom of speech was a thing? We're going to talk about that today. My name's Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience, Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Throughout the week, we will have our drive time editions of the program and talk about crazy, fun, exciting, or interesting, or political, or cultural stories that I think you may not have heard about elsewhere. But on Thursdays, generally, we will just have one, maybe two topics, and talk through those in the podcast edition of the show. Today, there's been so much happening this week that I just couldn't decide on a topic. So much happening in the news, so much happening in our culture, so much happening in my personal life. I was like, I just don't have a lone topic for this podcast. So I apologize. We are going to go all over the place today. But hopefully we'll cover a lot of good ground and talk about some things that maybe you haven't heard about. Maybe you have a fun little story for you if you want to go look for something interesting in... can't remember where it was now. I think the Netherlands. Because I'm pretty sure the original article was written in Dutch. So I think it's the Netherlands... But you need to go and Google this. I'm not going to look it up right now because we have a lot of other things we're going to talk about. But there was a bird that was arrested because his owner took him with him. I believe he was shoplifting at the time and he was caught shoplifting, had his bird with him. His bird, the the officers apparently did not have a way to contain the bird in a normal bird cage. So the, the bird got its own cell and was being fed bread and water. And when the Dutch version of this story was translated into English, apparently it's very common in Dutch. Th- there's a word in Dutch that is used to just refer to your pet or your animals. But when you translate it into English, it translates as beast. So in this story, this bird is referred to as the beast. And it's kind of taking over the internet earlier this week as Beast the Bird ended up in the slammer on bread and water. (laughs) It was kind of funny. Anyway, that has nothing at all to do with anything that we're going to talk about today. New York City is now allowing fines of up to $250,000 just for saying the words illegal alien. It's a good thing we're not in New York City right now because I believe in freedom of speech and we are going to talk about this once I find my notes. Here we go. You can be fined $250,000 for calling someone an illegal alien in New York City if if the term as you use it is used quote with intent to demean, humiliate, or harass a person. The city announced the new guidelines last week and also has banned discrimination against someone based on their English uh, proficiency and threats to call immigration authorities on someone based on a discriminatory motive also can result in a $250,000 fine. Here's the thing. Our culture has become... I don't even like the term snowflake, but our culture is reached max snowflakery I think I I don't know 
how are you supposed to be able you never anything you say could be construed as being offensive we live in such a culture where we are so easily offended by every little thing now granted i am not an illegal alien so perhaps i simply do not understand how that term could be offensive because i'm not such a person But if you are here in our country illegally, and you are not a citizen, naturalized or otherwise, then the term alien simply means that you are not from here. I've never heard anyone use this term and be pushing some idea of, oh wow, my hands, I need some lotion. We get some lotion here real quick. But I've never heard anyone use this terminology to refer to someone and make it as if they are an actual alien. That's the only way that I could think of that this would be offensive. If you think that someone is calling you Marvin the Martian, okay, yeah, I can see how that might be offensive. But even if they weren't, like, is that really something that you're going to get upset about and take issue with? I don't see it. Because, I, again, uh, maybe I'm not one, so I just don't get it, but if someone called me Marvin the Martian, I'd just be like, ha, you're weird, okay, and move on. And that is pretty much the reaction I'd have to anyone who would think that you would call someone an illegal alien in that respect. If the term illegal is offensive, well, then we just have bigger problems overall, because the word illegal simply means you're doing something that is against the law. And if you are in this country illegally, well, then that would be a accurate descriptive word I don't know what undocumented immigrant that is also not accurate because you're leaving out the fact that to be an undocumented immigrant you have broken the law so it's not that is a less accurate term than the term illegal alien. We could say illegal immigrant. I don't know if that would also fall under the banned term. Or perhaps we could say undocumented alien. Is it just these two words when put together? Or is it any deviation uh, or variation of these terms? So that's my first problem with this law. My second problem with this law is that it's an uh, offense when it is used, quote, with intent to demean, humiliate, or harass a person, unquote. Well, then the question becomes, who determines what the intent was? See, because when we start trying to determine people's heart intentions and their thoughts and say, this is what they said, but this is what they meant, when you're not actually that person, this is where a lot of friendships fall apart. This is where a lot of marriages and families fall apart. Because of misunderstandings, because of misinterpretation of someone's intent. It is very easy to mean one thing and say one thing when you think it means what you think it means and have someone else hear what you say and interpret it entirely differently than what you intended. If you are a human being, you have most likely experienced this at some point in your life. You say one thing, think it's perfectly fine, 
And then you realize by the response of the person that you're talking to that clearly what you just said is not perfectly fine, but you have no idea what you just said or why it was wrong. And now, if we are going to leave it up to I don't know who to determine the intent behind someone calling someone an illegal alien. All right, so I'll give you an example. There are talk radio hosts based in New York City. Many of them. Even conservative ones, mind you. If they say illegal alien on the radio... Who determines what their intent was? And you say, well, you would look at the context of what they were saying. All right. But is that not then a violation of their freedom of speech if you're going to analyze everything they say? I mean, it's not like they're yelling fire in a public place or a theater or something to where there, there are some cases where you need to have limits on freedom of speech, but... This right here is, in my opinion, based on the facts as presented to you, I feel this is just somewhat unconstitutional. That it's contrary to our founder's original intent, shall we say. In fact, the Department of Homeland Security itself defines an alien as, quote, any person not a citizen or national of the United States. I just don't feel that this is necessary. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Let's talk some politics here. Earlier this week, in what may be the best story I have seen out of the White House press pool ever... (laughs) Uh, Peter Alexander tweeted I think this was what happened on Tuesday afternoon on Tuesday afternoon Peter Alexander tweeted a rat or excuse me he tweeted a mouse literally fell out of the ceiling in our White House booth and landed in my lap he works for NBC in case you were wondering he's a White House correspondent uh, for NBC co-anchor on the weekend version of the Today Show. (laughs) It was later determined to actually be a rat and several reporters tweeted photos of other reporters scrambling to try and find said animal as it ran around the press booth. Most exciting thing that's happened in the press room for months. The thing later escaped into the office area and was running free in the White House press briefing room. As far as I know... Actually, well, I'm sure it's been caught now. But the articles that I'm looking at from Tuesday when this happened, hours later, said creature had still not been caught. 
Here's the thing about rats. Where there's one, there's usually more than one. And the fact that this happened in the White House press briefing room... That's just pretty ironic, guys. It's pretty, pretty, pretty ironic. <laughs> there's a rat in the White House press room. Okay, as we continue to debate whether or not the president did anything impeachable, which, by the way, here's something I think we should keep in mind. It's something I try to communicate on a fairly regular basis. But there are facts and there are there is truth in every situation. And as Christians... Our prerogative should always be to seek the truth and not to twist it around, right? The goal should be the truth in any situation, any circumstance, particularly when it comes to, uh, specifically I'm speaking right now as it comes to politics, okay? Sometimes people in the political party we affiliate with will do things that we should not and cannot agree with or support. And it is okay to say, I support said individual in the position that they are in, but I do not affirm ABC that they have done. See, we should be more concerned about the truth and what is right than we are with our particular favorite political person or party getting kudos or even winning an election. We should be more concerned about the truth and right than we are about winning an election. And sometimes that means making uncomfortable concessions. Sometimes that means saying, you know what, yeah, my person really messed up. The person I support really messed up but you know what here's ABC why I think they're still the best option but no I don't agree with that at all and when it comes to the Ukraine issue and whether or not that is an impeachable offense what was said on that phone call I as I spoke about last week on last week's podcast you can go listen to it on SoundCloud or iTunes if you'd like to do that just search for the Fertile Show but as I said then, based on everything that I have read from the actual transcript and whistleblower report, I don't see there being a crime in just those documents that would merit impeachment. Again, as I also said last week, if the president was actually holding up money, I, I think I talked about this last week, I don't know, everything kind of runs together after a while once you do enough of this radio thing. It gets harder and harder to remember what you said when. But I'm, I believe we talked about the fact that if the president did actually hold up money that was lawfully appropriated by Congress because he was trying to get dirt on Biden or somehow make an issue out of this thing, and so he was holding, withholding funding that Congress had approved until something happened there, then that would be a violation of the separation of powers, I would disrupt the power of the purse. That would be an, a potentially impeachable offense. But 
if you're just looking at strictly the transcript of the uh, phone call, it's just not there. In the phone calls and the whistleblower report, it's it's not happening. And then we saw this past week, or late last week, when did this come out? I don't remember exactly when it came out. But now you have the president being accused of also asking the Australian government to assist in the probe ordered by Attorney General Bill Barr into the origins of the 2016 U.S. counterintelligence investigation of the Trump campaign. That investigation, you know well as the Mueller investigation, which, of course, concluded that Americans, and more specifically, no one in the Trump campaign had actually colluded with the Russian government to interfere in the last presidential election. The New York Times, it was last week, it was the last day of September, whatever day that was, Monday, the New York Times reported that Trump encouraged the Australians to play some role in kickstarting the Russian investigation. So they wrote, quote, President Trump pushed the Australian Prime Minister during a recent telephone call to help Attorney General William P. Barr gather information for a Justice Department inquiry that Mr. Trump hopes will discredit the Mueller investigation, according, or Mueller, depending on how you pronounce his name, whatever, according to two American officials with knowledge of the call. Unlike the call with the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, the discussion with Mr. Morrison shows the president using high-level diplomacy to advance his personal political interests. Now, the problem with the Ukraine call has been maintained to be this implied or potential quid pro quo, which again, I argue is not there. Some say it is. I feel you can have varied opinions on this because it's not. Uh, but you have the the potential, hey, will you investigate my political rival? The other half of it being withholding aid. We're still trying to get to the bottom of it. But again, I don't see it. Was it inappropriate? Probably. Was it a misuse of power? That remains to be seen. Was he actually withholding? And was this conversation related to him withholding? I don't know. But when it comes to the Australia thing, this is, this is a completely different, completely different situation. Guy Benson has a piece at Town Hall. And he wrote, quote, The president asked a trusted ally to help with a fully legitimate and ongoing American investigation into a serious circumstance in which the allied government played a role. Yes, the outcome of that investigation could advance the president's, quote, personal political interests, unquote, but it's also unquestionably in the national interest in a way that transcends uh, partisan advantage. Thus, there's nothing here. The president said he wanted Australia help, Australian help on this front in public several months ago, and the Australian government agreed. No Rudy weirdness, no conspiracy theories, not even a hint of quid pro quo. Uh, Benson wrote, I understand that some critics are alarmed by Barr's intensive and hands-on efforts to see that the Durham inquiry is comprehensive, but those machinations are a political, are simply a political test. Anti-Trump partisans despise Barr because of the totally appropriate role he played in the dissemination of the Mueller report, so they think he's unduly inserting himself in the process in order to please his boss. Trump defenders will likely argue that given the scope and stake of Durham's work and the possible wrongdoing among American intelligence and law enforcement officials, that Barr is right to do what he can to ensure that Durham's work is not frustrated or obstructed. So essentially, 
we can we we can and we will argue about the whole Ukraine issue, but when it comes to Australia, there's I would argue there's nothing in the transcript of the whistleblower report in Ukraine. Others will see differently, but when it comes to the Australia side of things, there's literally nothing in the Australia thing. If you want to argue about Ukraine, okay, we can have that conversation, but when it comes to Australia, it's just there's not a scandal there. There is really not a scandal there. Problem is though, we need answers on all this stuff because if we don't have answers, then people are just going to argue, 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 argue this thing for an indefinite period of time. I still do not understand how it is possible <laughs> that we are pushing the Trump side of this issue but not pushing the Biden side of this issue. We have Joe Biden literally saying things to a crowd of people on videotape. I don't know, are we allowed to call it videotape anymore since nobody actually uses tapes? On, do we just say on the record, on video? I don't know. But you have Joe Biden on record talking about this whole Ukraine thing with his son and the company and... <laughs> I don't know. It just, it frustrates me that you have the right-wing media that is only reporting on Biden and Hunter Biden and how that was an issue. And then you have the left-wing media that's only reporting on Trump and his phone call and how that's an issue. And if if you do any sort of counseling or conflict resolution training, the first thing that you learn, it's very fundamental. <laughs> I would argue if you're a parent, you understand this fundamental truth. If you ever work with children, you understand this fundamental truth. That there are two sides to every story. And if you only take one side, you'll never get to the bottom of it. You'll never learn the truth because there are two sides to every story. So what I wish we had was someone in the national media spotlight who would really research and present truth about both sides of this issue. All right, We need to understand what is happening with with the president here and with this phone call and was the withholding of funds in any way related to that? Okay, yes. But we also need to understand what was actually going on with Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden in Ukraine. Why is this guy getting paid 50 grand a month uh, to consult about something that he literally has no expertise in whatsoever? And why is Biden pressuring and getting this government official fired I don't, to me, there's way more of a smoking gun on the Biden side of this than on the Trump side. But again, it is true before everybody just says, well, there's nothing there. I, I agree if you just read the whistleblower report and you just look at the phone call, I don't see anything there. Okay. But, but if the president was holding back the funds to try and influence uh, something politically and try to get Ukraine to dig up dirt on a political opponent, then that's, that is a violation of separation of powers. And then I, we could, we can nickel and dime this issue all the way around and back and forth, but I'm not going to do it because I just, I feel like it's not eventually going to go anywhere. I mean, the whistleblower rules were changed for this thing. People are talking about the Russian investigation again. House Democrats have a timing issue. 
Ugh. There's just so much stuff here. I... I've given my opinion, so we're just we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. Mark Zuckerberg has helped Elizabeth Warren more than I think anyone else possibly could have. <laughs> Saying that a Warren presidency would be an existential threat to Facebook. Leaked audio posted by The Verge bastion of political knowledge and know-how, uh, had audio of Zuckerberg speaking with Facebook employees at company meetings and expressing deep concern that Warren would attempt to break up Facebook if she won the presidency. If that were to happen, Zuckerberg promised that there would be retaliation in the legal form. In the leaked audio, Zuckerberg is heard to say, if she gets, uh, being Elizabeth Warren, if she gets elected president, then I would bet that we will have a legal challenge and I would bet that we will win the legal challenge. And does this still stink for us? Yeah, I mean, we don't, I don't want to have a major lawsuit against our own government. That's not the position that you want to be in when you're, you know, I mean, it's like we care about our country and want to work with our government and do good things. Look, at the end of the day, if someone's going to try to threaten something that existential, you go to the mat and you fight. Wow. Elizabeth Warren tweeted, what would really stink is if we don't fix a corrupt system that lets giant companies like Facebook engage in illegal anti-competitive practices, stomp on consumer privacy rights, and repeatedly fumble their responsibility to, to protect our democracy. I'm not afraid to hold big tech companies like Facebook, Google, and Amazon accountable. It's time to quote hashtag break up big tech. Now, we can have a conversation about the break up big tech issue and Elizabeth Warren's obsession with stomping on anyone who finds any sort of success in life. That said, she isn't wrong when she says that Facebook has questionable practices, that they do not mm, protect com consumer privacy rights. As far as their responsibility to protect our democracy, I haven't read anywhere. I've, I've done a lot of reading in my life, and I've never read in any of our founding... Uh, documents in any of our founders correspondence to each other I've never read someplace that it is the responsibility of companies to protect our democracy furthermore we don't actually have a democracy so it's not their job to protect it what we have is a republic and a republic is run by we the people not by corporations therefore that part of the statement is completely wrong. Problem is, when Facebook has been meddling and Facebook messes with algorithms and Facebook violates our privacy rights and Facebook does things that Facebook really shouldn't do and gets people mad at them, and then they come out and say that Elizabeth Warren is the biggest threat to Facebook... That is a political <laughs> endorsement unlike any other. Because now you're going to have people on both the right and the left and independents all saying, whoa, okay, well, if Zuckerberg thinks that she is the worst case scenario for Facebook, then maybe we need to look at this lady a little more. 
I see Elizabeth Warren getting a big boost from this. I see people starting to worry about a Warren candidacy. I I don't see her being able to beat Donald Trump. I could be way off base. I've been way off base before, but I just don't see it. What I don't see even more is Hillary Clinton jumping back in the race. Now, yes, she and Chelsea both have been making the rounds on various talk shows and doing different events and things. And so there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not Hillary may in fact be looking at jumping back in this thing. You know, I, th- hmm. if she were to do it, she might have a really good chance. But I don't think she will. I don't think a chance is enough to get Hillary back in. I think it would have to look very, very probable for her to win, for her to get back in. And so for that cause, I don't think she will. And if the president is impeached, then that is going to just throw a whole wrench in the political system. On one hand, well, the thing is, I I really don't know how to predict what that might do. Because if the president is impeached by the House, but is not, if that doesn't go through the Senate as well, then you have a situation where I think many, many people will be energized to vote for him. That will be seen as a vindication of him and you will energize his base. And so he may win in a landslide due to a potential half impeachment, if you will. I know it's actually an impeachment if it goes to the House, but you understand what I'm saying. Like if we had a a Clinton-type scenario. Or an impeachment could energize Democrats and could cause polling numbers to skyrocket for Democrats. The problem, I think, for Hillary is if President Trump is impeached, I think that gives every other Democratic candidate a better chance than they have right now, which would make Hillary's chances even worse. So I think that a Trump impeachment process is worse for Hillary than it would be promising for her getting back into the race. Again, this is my speculation. These are my opinions. So take it with a grain of salt. I am not an expert. I am simply a purveyor of information which has been processed through my worldview and given my opinion. (laughs) Oh, We'll just keep it in the realm of the politics here for a few more minutes. The The House Ethics Panel is reviewing Tlaib's campaign salary. She is a representative from Michigan. She accepted a salary from her 2018 campaign before taking office. The announcement by the House Ethics Committee was the first time that the committee has publicly acknowledged that the progressive freshman lawmaker is under scrutiny. This lady, if you ever want to be shocked by a Twitter feed, just go check out hers. I can't even believe the stuff that Anyway, House Ethics, I don't know why I can't say House Ethics today, but House Ethics Committee Chairman Ted Deutsch uh, from Florida and the panel's ranking Republican, Representative Kenny Marchant, said in a joint statement that the probe does not itself indicate that any violation has occurred or reflect any judgment on behalf of the committee. But the committee will be announcing its next course of action, including potentially opening a formal investigation by November uh, 14th. The uh, Talib spokeswoman, or man, spokesman, spokesman, said that 
They are reviewing the allegations, but they deny that she did anything wrong. The FCC, or I'm sorry, not the FCC, that's the radio one. The FEC, the Federal Election Commission, allows non-incumbent candidates to pay themselves a salary from their campaign committees if they meet certain criteria. It, it's This allowance is made to help first-time candidates who are independently wealthy. So essentially what we're assuming is if you are campaigning full-time, you wouldn't be able to do your normal course of business, and therefore we will allow you to take a salary from your campaign contributions. This is not abnormal. So as much as I don't like Representative Tlaib, I'm not sure that there's anything here. Just commenting on it because it has been getting the rounds in social media. So I wanted to explain to you what's going on. So uh, Tlaib spokesman Denzel McCampbell said in a statement to The Hill earlier this week, he said, as the ethics committee made clear, the fact that it received a referral does not mean any violation occurred. Representative Tlaib has com- cooperated completely with the committee to resolve the referral, which involves the same claims over her publicly disclosed salary during the campaign that conservative groups pressed back in March. Representative Tlaib fully complied with the law and acted in good faith at all times. Here is where conservative outlets had an issue. So uh, this is different than what I just described. Okay, So what I just described is what is allowed. Here is where there may be a potential problem. FEC records show that her campaign paid out over $17,000 in salary disbursements after the general election. So you had one payment of $2,000 dated November 16th. Last year's election, I think, was on November 6th. I can chop back here in my... Yeah, November 6th last year was the general election. So 10 days post the election, she receives a $2,000 payment. In December, she received a $15,000 payment. And that is where we have the problem. So again, during the campaign, there's the assumption that you may not be able to work, so you will be allowed to get a salary. This is not abnormal. This is not in any way a violation for her to receive a salary while she is running for office. However, the rules that that state that this is a thing that you can do also say that the payments can be made until the date of the general election or until a candidate is no longer running. Here's where it gets tricky. (laughs) You, okay. Do you get paid before or after you do your work? So let's say you get paid bi-weekly. Do you get paid on the first for work that you're going to do between the first and the 15th? Or are you getting paid on the first for work that you did in the previous two weeks? Most often, you're not getting prepaid for the work that you do. So Tlaib's campaign is arguing that she is receiving payments after the general election date for activities that happened up until that date. So essentially a a retro active payment except it wouldn't be retroactive but you, you know what I'm saying so this is why there's all this confusion is it legal for her to be paid during the campaign yes is it illegal to be paid by the campaign after the election yes but is it illegal to be paid by the campaign after the election if you claim 
that those payments were for work done prior to the election, this is where the conundrum is taking place. I don't think that this will go anywhere because it is a very, very common thing and I, I think that it should be clarified. I think the law should be clarified to determine whether or not being paid post the election date for work done prior to the election. I think that needs to be clarified so we don't have problems like this in the future. But I don't think that she gets in trouble for this. I don't think that this becomes an issue because if it does, then I think you may be looking at other potential congressional candidates on both sides of the aisle that have done similar things unintentionally. Now we could argue about whether or not someone should be able to raise money as a campaign and then pay themselves. That's a whole other issue. We're talking about whether or not it violates federal election campaign law. And in my view, as much as I do not like Representative Tlaib, I don't see this as breaking the law as it is written. Stretching it, for sure. Breaking it, that's mm, eh, maybe pushing it. Okay. Wow, this has become a very long segment. We might as well just keep going. One last story for today. Are you ready? This one is not the U.S. politics. We're going to jump across the pond, the very, very big pond, and talk about Prince Harry for just a minute. Prince Harry has renewed his global call for increased climate consciousness in Africa appealing to the world earlier this week for more efforts to be made to protect the environment against human greed, apathy, and selfishness. He told Britain's Daily Telegraph, Conservation used to be a specialist area driven by science, but now it is fundamental to our survival and we must overcome greed, apathy, and selfishness if we are to make real progress. Now, he's speaking of greed, apathy, and selfishness in respect to what he thinks is our destructive nature when it comes to the planet, when it comes to animals. He then talks about coexisting in different habitats and restoring the balance between humans and nature. Here's the thing. The balance between human nature and... Or <laughs> between human nature. Between humans and nature, God set forth in the garden. He said, this is your stuff. Take care of it, subdue it, make it work. And so mankind has, for the last, since our existence, been filling the earth, subduing it. And while we are to be good stewards of that which we've been given, we also need to understand that it is our job to not simply coexist with the world around us and with animals. But to utilize our resources that God has given us in a way that most pleases Him. And I think sometimes... As Prince Harry mentioned, greed, apathy, selfishness. Our culture tends to project these failures of sin that is a part of our nature 
on things like the environment, our greed, our apathy, our selfishness. This is, we need to overcome these things so that the animals and planet benefit. Okay. Uh, there, I th there's some merit there. We can talk about that. But we shouldn't be so focused on overcoming greed and apathy and selfishness when it comes to the environment that we forget that greed and apathy and selfishness are an issue of the heart and are issues which humans most often communicate to each other not solely to the environment or to animals. In fact, I would argue that we have a much larger problem on a global scale of greed, apathy, and selfishness being portrayed from human to human than we do of greed, apathy, and selfishness being portrayed from human to the environment or human to animal. On a worldwide level, and I, I get that that's a generalization. But the solution... The solution to greed, apathy, and selfishness in human nature. God already laid that out for us. And he's in the ultimate example of it. And that's where we're going to wrap things up today with the reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Sorry, I can't do an Alexander Scorby voice, but get it in mind. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, if I, if I don't have love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, not some of them, all of them. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, and seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Charity never fails. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. And where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity, is love. If you want to demonstrate If you want to be God's ambassador to the world, live a life of love. Live a life of charity. Live a life where you're not envying, where you're not puffed up, where you're kind. 
where you seek not your own, where you're not easily provoked, where you're not thinking the worst of people, where you don't rejoice in iniquity, but you rejoice in the truth, where you have hope, where you endure, where your love is known. John said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7, and 8, if you know the verse. But the next verse, or the song, I mean, the next verse, though, it's not in the song, but the next verse wraps this whole thing up with a bow. It says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. That's the good news. That's the solution for every problem faced by man. The simple truth of God's love. And that is all the time that I have left for today. This has been an incredibly long segment. I don't think we took a break at all. Thanks for sticking with us. If you made it this far, you deserve a medal. I don't have any, but if I did, you would get one. I'm Crystal Heath. You've been listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM. Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, where our Sunday morning service times are 9.30 and 11.15. We look forward to seeing you and your family here with us this Sunday. Don't forget to grab some of our Harvest Festival flyers. It's a great way to be able to invite your neighbors to church. That will be on October the 20th, just about two and a half weeks from now. So be sure to get those, hand those out. Don't forget also... On Saturday morning, we'll be having our family outreach, family soul winning breakfast. It will be amazing good food. And you and your family can come out for that. It is free, and then you can go out with your friends. Your kids can go out. You can go out together and pass out tracks in our community, invite people to church. We'd love to have you out for that. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday, and we will be back tomorrow, same time, same place, here on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience 3 Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas.